Hi everybody, it's Steve Weir, Grace Point's Pastor of Arts and Communication, and I'm here to say welcome, or welcome back, to the Grace Point Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast via iTunes or on our YouTube channel. Feel free to check out our website for all the latest information about everything going on here at Grace Point. But most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step toward becoming a fully committed follower of Jesus Christ. Enjoy. You know, I think, uh, I think if we're honest, many of us believe that some people are beyond God's grace. You know, we know this theological truth that God loves everybody and that he, he wants everyone to be saved. But it just, it doesn't seem right that he would necessarily save everyone if that includes, for example, like, like terrorists. So if you think about the fact that some people are training their children to strap bombs to themselves and go into crowds and, and kill people, like that's just, that seems just a little, little crazy, you know? I mean, does, does God really forgive that? Does God really forgive a dictator? Could he forgive a dictator? of a country who is, is intercepting humanitarian aid that's coming in to help his people and using that for his own gain. I mean, that, that just seems kind of beyond the, the pale. Even, even if we bring it closer to home for politicians in our country, we look at some people who are promoting an agenda that seems completely opposite of what God would have us be doing as a country. And we think, wow, I mean, that just seems like it's pushing the edges of God's grace and, and forgiveness. And if we bring it even closer to home, you can probably think of somebody in your life that has hurt you deeply. I mean, maybe there's even been abuse of some kind in, in your life. And you, maybe there's somebody in your life that you just think, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, is it possible that God's forgiveness and grace could extend even to this person? I mean, is it possible to cross a line beyond God's grace? I mean, maybe some of you have, have even questioned that for yourself. Some of you online who are, are joining us for the first time, maybe some of you have questioned that, like, is it possible that I have gone beyond the line of God's grace? We're gonna, we're gonna look at a scene this morning that answers that question for us, maybe in a way that'll surprise some of us. So if you would turn with me to Jonah chapter four, we are going to wrap up the book of Jonah today. Nothing says happy Valentine's Day, like the conclusion of the book of Jonah. We've seen strange grace over the last month in a lot of different ways. So Jonah disobeys God, runs in the opposite direction of what he's calling Jonah to do. God shows strange grace in hurling a storm onto the sea to stop Jonah in his tracks so that he can't continue in his disobedience. And then as Jonah is thrown overboard, God shows strange grace in having a, a great fish swallow him. That is, that is strange grace indeed, like to be in the belly of a fish, getting seasick, gastric acid, everything else. But, it, but it's grace because he, he didn't die. He could have drowned there in, in the sea. 
Jonah finally gets a second chance. He, he takes a second chance. He goes in obedience to Nineveh and he preaches this very strange message of bad news. But grace comes as the people of Nineveh repent. And, and so that's a strange picture of, of grace that, that from him saying in 40 days, you're going to be destroyed, that they would turn. And, and then God relents and shows grace to the people of Nineveh. And then last week we saw that Jonah throws a tantrum because of God's grace. He's not liking that God is, is saving these people and delivering them. And yet God patiently engages, keeps engaging with Jonah. And so today we're going to see maybe the strangest grace of all as God presses further into Jonah's anger with an object lesson. A strange object lesson. So we're going to start in verse 5 of Jonah chapter 4. Jonah went out of the city of Nineveh, and he sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. So God has relented, said he's, he's not going to destroy the city. But Jonah goes out and he says, I'm going to plant myself here and I'm going to watch because maybe God will change his mind again. I mean, he's hoping. Maybe God's going to still come and just zap them and rain down fire and brimstone. So he just sits there, watches. He builds himself a booth and, and he's sitting in the shade in verse 6. Now, the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So a question that might come to your mind is, well, if Jonah built himself a booth, why does God need to cause a plant to grow up to, to provide more shade? Good, good question. Glad you asked that. So the, the first booth that Jonah built probably was built or was made out of branches that he took off of a tree. That was commonly what they would make booths out of in, in those days. And so he probably shaped this little shelter for himself that was leaves, branches off of a tree. And because of the hot desert, it wouldn't take very long for those leaves to shrivel up and die. And so God graciously, then in verse 6, that's why God would appoint a plant. God says, hey, you did your little temporary booth thing. That didn't work so well. Let me give you something a little more permanent. It's not totally permanent, as we will see. But let me, let me give you something else here. So the Lord God appointed a plant, made it come up over Jonah, that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. I don't know if you remember, if you go back to verse 1, last week, Jonah was displeased exceedingly. <laughs> so as, as displeased and angry as Jonah was last week about what's going on with Nineveh, now he is exceedingly glad. Verse 7, the plot thickens. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. All right, a couple of things we've got to unpack here. Did you catch the word appointed 
Okay, remember we, we said if you go all the way back to chapter one, very end of, of chapter one, God appointed a great fish. We said whenever this, this word shows up in Jonah, God is intervening intentionally and personally. He's intervening supernaturally to do something unusual and he's doing something personal to teach Jonah something in that instance. So in chapter one, we saw it one time. Now we see it three times, bam, 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 verses six, seven, and eight. God appointed a plant. Verse 7, God appointed a worm to attack the plant. And then verse 8, God appointed a scorching east wind. So God's got an object lesson here with a very specific purpose. And by the way, so here's where the worm comes into the picture. Some of you may have wondered why the graphic for this sermon series had a worm on it instead of a fish. Right, So this is why we had a worm on, on the graphic instead of a fish. So God has an object lesson with a specific purpose, and we find that in verse 6. God appointed the plant that it might come up over Jonah, that it might be a shade over his head. Why? To save him from his discomfort. But there's a word play here. And if you're using the, the English Standard Version, there's a footnote on the word discomfort. And if you look down at the bottom, it says, or his evil. That Hebrew word can mean either, either thing. Save him from his discomfort or actually what God is after here is trying to save Jonah from his evil, from the evil of it. God is trying to rattle Jonah out of his bad attitude. And so um, he, he's trying to call Jonah to repentance. I mean, Jonah, God used Jonah to go to the Ninevites to call them to repentance. And it worked. And now God is calling Jonah to repentance. See, sometimes God designs object lessons for us. There there are things that happen in our lives that are not coincidence. They're, They're carefully orchestrated. Because, and, and they're usually uncomfortable because God is wanting to teach us something that we can't learn any other way. So Sherry and I have experienced this in, in our lives at, at different times as we have really focused in on our finances. And, and to give you an example, like sometimes we were really focused in and we'll say, we're, we're going we're gonna to really work on building our savings like we want to build several months worth of savings in our bank, like from, from our salary, so that if an emergency happened or we had to be off work for a while or whatever, we've, we've got a cushion for that. And every time we set out to do that intentionally, there's some unexpected thing that happens. There's like something breaks in the house or we have some unexpected expense that starts dragging us away from, from that goal. And it's tempting when that happens to give up and to say, wow, here it, here it goes again. I mean, we're just destined not to have a, a nice cushion of savings in our, our bank to be responsible. And, and what's really happening is our, our metal is being tested. Our perseverance is being tested to say, no, we got to press past this. And, and okay, we'll get this paid off. We'll get whatever this emergency, emergency is paid off. But then we're going to go right back to, we're going we're to stay intensely focused on this goal. God, God designs object lessons for us at times. God has this object lesson for Jonah, which is not fun. Verse 7, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant. 
I mean, this is like war language. He attacked the, the plant. And then in verse 8, it says, the sun beat down on the head of Jonah. That's actually the same Hebrew word. So it's like the sun beat Jonah. It attacked Jonah's head. Warren Wiersbe makes this observation. He says, basically, God here is making Jonah miserable. He's showing him how helpless he is. And he's giving him a little taste of hell to to remind Jonah of the destiny of these people in, in the city of Nineveh. But Jonah is not picking up what God is laying down here. It's just, it's not working. Verse 8, that the sun beat down on his head so that he was faint, and he asked that he might die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. Wow. Okay. So if you're, if you're here last week, if you're listening, God, God asked this question last week. Jonah, do you do well to be angry? If God asks the same question twice, then you probably gave the wrong answer the first time. Probably did not get in. He's actually getting the answer wrong. Second time, he is just not getting it. And now, now verse 10 comes the main point of this whole book. The last two verses of this book give us the, the moral, the, the, the whole point of why this book was written. Verse 10, the Lord talking to Jonah, you pity the plant for which you did not labor. Now, now let me just qualify the word pity there. It's another way to translate that word again in the Hebrew. And it's actually better translated here. You have concern for the plant. I say it's a better translation because, let, let's face it, Jonah didn't pity the plant. Who's Jonah pitying? himself. I mean, Jonah doesn't care about the plant. He cares about the fact that the plant went away and took his shade with, with it. So, so let's read this as, you have concern for the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. It's fleeting. Verse 11, and should I not have concern for, see, it's the same word there. Should I not have concern for Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle. God has a concern about the Ninevites and, and he asks Jonah, I mean, why don't you have a concern? Jonah, why don't you have a concern about all of these lost souls? I know, and, and this is what's surprising to us because remember, I mean, the Ninevites are barbaric, they're merciless, they're evil, but they're, they're souls. They're, they're, it's a city full of souls who are going to spend eternity somewhere. And God says to Jonah, where are your priorities? I mean, here are all of these people destined for eternal punishment and separation from me, and you don't have any concern for them. There's also a lot of cattle there. Jonah, maybe you don't care about the people. There's at least care about the cattle. See, God approaches Jonah the way he approaches us oftentimes. He, he approaches us with, with questions. 
See, if we, if we confront someone and just point out a problem that they have and kind of poke our finger in, in their face, a lot of times people put up their defenses and they're not really receptive to that. But a question kind of sometimes gets past our defenses and past our barriers and asks us to look at ourselves and, and to discover what, what is there. And so questions help someone to see the hardness of, of their hearts. And, and the point behind God's question here is that the, that person who is beyond your grace is not beyond God's grace. That person that you may feel like, wow, yeah, I don't see how God could extend grace to them. They, they may be beyond your grace, but they are not beyond God's grace. See, Jonah, Jonah wants to withhold grace here. I mean, he, he knows that the Assyrians are going to destroy his people. That, that's the destiny that, that's going to happen here. And it, it's actually very possible that the book of Jonah was written later after the fall of Israel. In which case, the people reading the book for the first time would be on the other side of the Assyrians, the Ninevites coming and destroying them. And as they're reading this book and as they're going through, they would be totally relating and resonating with Jonah the whole way through. They would be like in chapter one, like, you're you're right, Jonah. Man, I'm so glad you ran the other way. That's right. Stick it to those people. The whole way through, they would be cheering for Jonah because he's not wanting the Ninevites to be saved. But then we come to the end. And so God's question is not just for Jonah. It's actually for, for Jonah's people and the readers who resent the Assyrians and the Ninevites for what they have done to their country and they can't forgive them. It's also God's question for his people then down through the centuries as we continue and, and as they continue to look outside of themselves and look at people who oppress them and say, how could God's grace be extended to them? It's, it's for God's people asking the question, how could God's, God extend his grace to the Romans, for example, who are oppressing Israel during the time of Christ? How could God extend his grace to tax collectors, adulterers? It's the question that we ask. Um, how could God extend grace to fill in the blank? That person who slandered me, abused me, deceived me. 700 years after God confronted Jonah, Jesus confronted Jonah's uh, descendants, if you will, the, the Pharisees people who should have known better, people who were leading, people who are supposed to be pointing people to God. Jesus confronted them and he said, you're, you're missing it. In, in Matthew chapter 12, some of the scribes and the Pharisees answered Jesus saying, teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But Jesus answered them, an evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. 
But here's the second part of the sign. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. As we read Jesus' words here and we see that he's saying there's this sign of Jonah, it's really easy to see one part of the sign. The, the, the three days and the, th- the three nights. I mean, Jesus will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth to pay for our sins before he is resurrected as Jonah was spit out of, of the, the fish. I mean, all of that is really clear, but there's a second part to the sign of Jonah here. And that is that these men of Nineveh, they're gonna rise up and they're gonna condemn this generation, Jesus says, and, and the people that he's looking at, the religious leaders that he's looking at, and he's saying, they're gonna condemn you just as they might condemn Jonah because Jonah did not get it. The religious leaders of Jesus' day did not get it. It's a dangerous thing to think that God's people sometimes do not get it Meanwhile, the Gentiles outside, people who are seemingly far from God, they are getting it. And it's really interesting that Jesus at times makes heroes of the people, the very people that the Jewish people looked at and said, these these people are clearly beyond God's grace. I mean, he's making a hero of Ninevites here. Jesus made a hero of a Samaritan. They thought they were beyond God's grace. There is, there is a huge racial divide in the book of Jonah. I didn't realize this, and I didn't, I didn't pick this. I'm not smart enough to think through this, but when I was uh, praying through the sermon schedule for this year, it, it didn't even occur to me that race was such a big issue here in this book, but there it is. I mean, very, very clear. So these two countries that are at odds with each other. And it is so relevant. I have to take a moment just to point at how relevant this is because there's a racial divide happening for us today. So, so for us, it's not necessarily that we're looking at another country or another nation that we are at odds with. That's happened very much at times in our past. But today it's within our country and we're looking at people of different ethnic backgrounds. And and there's like this us versus them. I mean, see if this sounds familiar. There's a a group of people in in our country that is concerned because another group of people, another ethnicity of people are exercising their power in such a way as to take advantage of them, to abuse their power. And then that ethnic group is concerned about the other ethnic group saying, let's, let's propose these solutions. And they're, they're afraid that the solutions are gonna cause more problems than we had to begin with. And so there's this us versus them tension that is happening. And so I just, I want to pause Jonah here for just a second because I think this is very relevant. And I'm going to, I'm going to invite Dennis Terry, if, if you would come and, and join me up here. Dennis is, is part of a team, and we're going to talk about this just for, for a few minutes, but part of a, a new initiative that we are doing uh, here at Grace Point called the Ethnic Awareness Team. And so it kind of touches on this issue of the, the us versus them. So Dennis, tell us about who, who's part of this team. And, and what is it about? 
Yeah, thank you. I'm glad to be here with all of you today. But yeah, the Ethnic Awareness Team, it's uh, made up of Joan Bennett, uh, Cassandra DeWitt, Jack Edmond, and myself. You see a few of our pictures on the screen. And my kids joined the uh, picture of me on the bottom right as well. But uh, yeah, so the Ethnic Awareness Team, we've met a few times uh, as a group, really just to uh, get to know each other, uh, although a few of us knew each other already, and then brainstorm on a few ideas. And we came up with the name Ethnic Awareness Team, in part because the acronym spells EAT, and I think that we had food on our brain at the time, but uh, also because we wanted to make sure that we were representing the diversity within our church uh, group here at Grace Point. And you think about the word ethnicity, uh, which really comes from the Greek word ethnos, so it's a word that's used a lot in the Bible, uh, and it really represents a, a distinct people that share a culture. So I think what we want to do is make sure that we're celebrating that diversity within the church here. So uh, that's kind of how we came up with the name. And if you think, too, we have a purpose statement, so if you could pull up the purpose uh, statement for us, uh, which is really to foster Christ-honoring conversations and initiatives to promote unity within Christ's ethnically diverse kingdom. So one of our main purposes with the group is to be able to share the word of God, right? Make sure that Jesus is at the center of any conversation that we have. We know Matthew 28, 19 tells us to go and make disciples of all nations, uh, blessing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we want to make sure that Christ is at the center of that. And then the second thing is making sure that when we're having these conversations, that we're creating a safe environment for all of us to be able to listen and to understand. Uh, we did this recently within the church, having a roundtable discussion uh, that the church leadership led, and uh, myself, Joan Bennett, and a few other members of the church were a part of the panel. And it was just a great opportunity for us to be able to talk in a safe environment uh, where there was trust and respect uh, from all that joined in. And, and you hear different viewpoints and, uh, you know, those that have different, come from different walks of life. So I think it was uh, nice to have uh, that type of environment. That's exactly what we're trying to do, though, with the ethnic awareness team. Uh, great explanation, Dennis. And you referenced uh, Matthew 28, 19, and making disciples of all nations. That is that word, you yes. know, ethnos, right? So it's not talking about nation states, like let's go to other places, although that's part of it, but it's, it's going to other ethnicities. And, and we have plenty of those. We have a lot of those uh, right here. And you're talking about creating a safe place and an, and an ability to, to cross those lines where they exist to be able to have good conversations, healthy conversations that are Christ-honoring. I love that. So what, are, what, what can we expect to see in the coming weeks, months from the ethnic awareness team? Yeah, well, I, I think uh, a phrase that comes to mind when I think about what to expect is, uh, you know, a bloom where you're planted. And I think that we are planted here at Grace Point. So this is a place that we want to be able to begin to have those types of conversations, right? And I think from here, it's moving out into the community and uh, being able to kind of promote some of our initiatives that we have. But I think uh, as a whole, it's going to require all of us to be able to do this, right? And I know as a team, we've been brainstorming a few ideas that we've been thinking about, uh, getting support from Pastor Dave and also from church leadership. But we also want to get support from the church itself. And so uh, as you're thinking about this and thinking about the group that we just brought up, please pray for us, right? Uh, we'll be praying, you know, you'll be praying with us in a way and, and praying for us, but also bring us ideas that you have, you know, so we could brainstorm together uh, and kind of take this walk together. But I think it's first going to start here in the church and then kind of grow out into the community and uh, be able 
to have those, you know, safe discussions and interactions. That's awesome. All right. Thank you so much, Dennis. We'll be looking forward to hearing more from you Perfect. in the months to come. Thank you. All right. Cool. Thank you. So, so my dream for this dream team, it's a great team of, of people, is, is that we would be able to have really good, healthy conversations within our walls. And again, I'm going to say this again. I've, I've mentioned it before. Thankfully, like what we hear from Dennis, what we hear from others who are part of what we would consider like ethnic minorities within our church family, we're not hearing from them that they feel slighted or looked down upon or, or any of that. So we don't have, we're not seeing racial tension within our walls. Praise God for that. And good job to all of you for, for embracing people. So we're not saying we have a problem inside of our walls and that's why we need to do this. What we're, why we're doing this is to learn how to have these conversations in healthy ways so that we can take them outside of our walls because the conversation going on outside of our walls is not healthy and it's not Christ-centered. And we want to be part of that and bring Christ to that conversation. So I'm excited about that. And I think maybe if, you know, if God were talking to us about that, he might say, should we not have concern for those people out there who do not know their right hand from their left? when it comes to this issue and how to, how to really solve it. So the, the Ninevites, the Ninevites did not deserve God's grace. No question. Jonah did not deserve God's grace. Turns out I don't deserve God's grace and you don't either. And neither does the person who, who hurt you. That person that you think is beyond God's grace, that, that person that's beyond your grace is not, not beyond God's grace. And in fact, it's interesting that God used Jonah to, to take grace to someone that Jonah thought was beyond grace. And my question that I want to leave you with this morning is, is it possible that God may want to do the same with you? Let, let me give you just a couple of ideas of how that might look. Uh, one would be, think about a politician that you differ dramatically with. Have you thought about maybe writing that politician a letter? And, it, and it's not an in-your-face, uh, you're-going-to-hell kind of letter. It's a, I'm, I'm praying for you. You, you must be uh, you must have a very hard job right now, like an empathetic kind of letter. You're in a very tough spot because they all are. All of our politicians, all of our leaders in our country are in a tough spot right now. And, and so what if you wrote to them, empathize with them a little bit and say, I want you to know I'm praying for you and, and really do it. And, and not just a prayer of like, you know, judgment and like, God, you know, maybe they just need to get out of here. But, but like really pray, and, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, pray that they would consciously and unconsciously forward God's purposes. But let them know with a grace-filled message that you're praying for them. An, another idea is for, for that person that hurt you personally, what, what would it look like for you to write them a note, maybe send them a gift card to Duncan? And, and write in, in your note, don't, don't pretend that nothing happened. Don't pretend that things are resolved if they're not. But maybe you say something like this. I've been thinking about how kind God is to me 
And I just wanted to share some kindness with you. That's showing grace to someone who, who doesn't deserve it. What if God is calling you, instead of withholding grace from someone, to actually be an instrument of his grace to that person? Stranger things have happened before. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your great grace toward us, your amazing grace. Lord, the truth is that none of us deserve it. And, and Lord, for the person who's sitting here this morning thinking, I don't deserve it, that, that I have gone too far beyond, I've crossed a line beyond God's grace. Lord, I pray that you would encourage them from the story of Jonah to see how you didn't give up on Jonah. You just, you kept after him. You were patient. You kept after everyone in this story, drawing them to yourself. You're calling us to repent and you are so happy to relent from your judgment when we do that. So I pray for someone this morning who needs to repent towards you, that they would experience your, your grace. And Lord, I pray for those of us who may at times have the heart of Jonah, where we are counting someone as beyond your, your grace. And maybe we've been run away and we, we refuse to be used by you. Lord, may we humble ourselves before you. May we be different than Jonah. May, may we say, God, I'm, I want to be used by you towards whomever you choose. And may we be so, so blown away personally by the grace that you've shown us that we are compelled to show it to even the people who least deserve it. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.